Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. We're now going to be having our Bible reading. The, the Bible reading is from Luke chapter 15 and from verses 11 to 24. The parable of the lost son. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the youngest son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Well, the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son, as is more commonly known, is probably one of the most famous stories that Jesus, Jesus tells. But it's actually a story about the father who had two sons. As the first line in the story in Luke chapter 15 and verse 11 states, there was a man who had two sons. And so this parable, this pointed story that Jesus tells is actually about the father. And so my preferred title would be the parable of the crazy loving father. Unfortunately, we're not going to have time to look at the whole story, the whole parable uh, this afternoon. We're just going to be looking at the father's relationship with the, the oldest son. In a couple of weeks' time, we will look at the father's relationship with the other son. But imagine the scene. We're told in Luke chapter 15, in verse 1, that Jesus was eating with sinners and tax collectors. Now, tax collectors were the worst of sinners, uh, they, they were considered, they were thought to be traitors because they were collecting taxes for the Romans. And they were notorious for being dishonest. They would overcharge and then pocket the money. So they were the worst of sinners. And Jesus is eating with them. 
Now that doesn't sound like a big issue for us, but in that day, it was a huge deal. Eating with someone in a Middle Eastern culture was a huge deal. Uh, today, we will eat with anyone, uh, especially if they pay. Uh, but in those days, you wouldn't eat with anyone unless you accepted them. It, it was a very profound sign that you accepted them. By Jesus eating with sinners and, uh, and tax collectors was a very profound sign that God accepted them and forgave them. And we told in verse 2 that there were some Jewish religious leaders there, the Pharisees. And they were looking and watching. And they lifted their noses and they started tutting. Because they thought they knew God better. And they believed that God would never, ever hang out with undesirables like sinners and tax collectors. And so they tutted. And in response to these religious leaders, these tutting religious leaders, Jesus tells three stories. The first two are kind of like warm-up stories about a lost sheep and a lost coin. And this is his main story, this, this parable of this crazy, loving father. And we read in verse 11 and verse 12, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Give me my inheritance now. This was an incredibly rude and shocking statement for a son to make within that culture. In an ancient Middle Eastern culture, a father may give his son a share of his inheritance before he died, but even then, the son would be expected to look after his father into his old age until he dies. But for a son to request this was simply unheard of. It's kind of like the son saying, I wish you were dead. Best case scenario for me is you're dead. Second best case scenario for me is that you sell everything very quickly and give to me my share so I can leave now and have nothing further to do with you because I love your wealth more than I love you. This was unbelievably shocking behavior within that cultural context. And this would have broken the father's heart. This was a, a, a break, a major break in relationship. The son dishonors his father. An ancient Middle Eastern culture is an honor-shame culture. This would have brought shame upon the father and shame upon the whole family. The only way for the father to restore honor to the family within that cultural context is to punish the son severely. And that's exactly what those who are listening to this parable, both the touching religious leaders and the undesirable sinners and tax collectors, would be expecting Jesus to say. But Jesus says, so he divided his property between them. What? He agrees? 
I mean, that's crazy behavior. What about the father's honor? What about the honor of the family? This is simply unheard of. This is crazy behavior. But this is also a dramatic illustration of the quality of love that the father has for this son. He grants freedom to this rebellious, shameful son and lets him go. Well, the son doesn't waste much time. We read in verse 13, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and they squandered his wealth in wild living. He starts living the celebrity's life. He's got you know, designer robes made to measure. He's got a couple of sports chariots on the driveway. He's eating champagne, drinking uh, caviar for breakfast. He's, you know, every time he goes out, the drinks are on him. He's the center of the party and a new girl every night. But then in verse 14, we discover that a severe famine hit the land. That's equivalent to a credit crunch, to an economic downturn or a, an energy crisis. The banks call in the loans, and he's been living way beyond his means. So when the banks call in the loans, he's, bound, he's down to the pawn shop. He's pawning in his flat screen TV, his Xbox, trying to get some money to pay off his debts and the mortgage on his mansion before he knows that he's out on the street homeless. And when his money dries up, so do his friends. So he goes to www.worstjobspossible.com and the only job he can get is feeding pigs. This is incredibly shameful for a Jewish boy. Uh, they consider pigs to be unclean. The, the, the touching religious leaders at this point will be like, you know, falling off their chairs. This is absolutely shameful behavior. This is the most shameful a person they've ever come across. It's shameful to ask for your inheritance while your father is still alive. It's shameful to squander your whole inheritance and wild living rather than looking after your, your family. And it's even more shameful to be feeding pigs. This is the most shameful son ever. Even the tax collectors are thinking, shame on you. In fact, even in his village, they would have held a funeral. In an ancient Middle Eastern village, when you do something so shameful, the village would have held a funeral for that son. He would have been dead to them because of the shame he had brought onto the father and to the whole family. We're told in verse 16, it wasn't long that he was so hungry that he was longing to actually eat the pig's food. Verse 17, we're told that finally he came to his senses. He basically says, you know, I am starving to death. Yeah, I am starving to death. But the servants, the hired servants in my dad's household eat better than this. My, my dad feeds them and, and gives them a house to stay in. My, my dad's a great guy. I need to get back to my dad. He'll, he'll never accept me as a son. Perhaps he would accept me as a hired servant, as a cleaner or something. And so he rehearses a speech in, in verses 18 and 19. He says, Father, I have sinned against heaven, that's God, and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. 
Verse 20, so he got up and he went to his father. He walked back to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. You, you, you get the, the impression that his father's been waiting for him. That, that every morning his father wakes up, he opens up the window and he looks out hoping to see his son, refusing to give up hope. And today he looks up and he sees his son coming and, and he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, he threw his arms around him and kissed him. Now we miss the joke over here. This is the this is the big joke in the story. This is the, the punchline in, in, in the parable, and this is the most shocking part. This is the point where all the original hearers would be bursting out in laughter. This is the most shocking part of the whole parable. Wait for it. The father runs. In an ancient Middle Eastern culture, old men never run. It's too undignified. It's too embarrassing. For, for an old man, particularly an estate owner, they would be wearing these long robes. In order to run, he would have to lift up his robe like a little girl lifting up her skirt, you know, bearing his hairy legs, uh, possibly revealing his underwear. This was embarrassing. These servants didn't know where to look. This was shameful behavior within that cultural context. Absolutely shameful behavior. The touching religious leaders at this point would have fallen off their chair. I mean, they would have expected the, 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 the son to come shamefully groveling in the dirt, kissing the father's feet, begging for forgiveness while the father remains aloof. That was the honorable thing to do. But this was shameful. Absolutely shameful. But it was the loving thing. Do you notice what the father's done? He shifted the shame from his son onto himself. He, he's taken the shame from his son onto himself so that his son could be welcomed home as a son. That's love. That's grace, undeserved favor. And the father sets the precedence for how the whole village should respond. Because the father has embraced his son, the whole village will embrace him. If God accepts and welcomes sinners, then so too should we. This would have been a challenge to those tutting religious leaders. Verse 21, the father says, sorry, the son says, he's rehearsed speech. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Isn't it interesting that he leaves out the part about becoming one of your hired servants? It says, if once he's received this grace, he realizes there's absolutely nothing he could do to earn it or to repay this grace. And so he simply says, I'm unworthy. And it's the same for us. There's nothing we can do to earn God's grace and love and kindness. We just need to walk back to our Father and receive it. 
But the father interjects in verse 22, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Now, the best robe would have been the father's robe, his best ceremonial robe, the, his best suit. And he puts his suit, his best robe onto his son. He clothes his son in dignity and honor, his own dignity and honor, his own robe. Put a ring on his finger. That would have been the signet ring. That was a sign of authority. It's kind of like in today, giving his son his credit card. He restores him to full authority. And sandals on his feet. Servants don't wear sandals, only a son. And so he restores his son back into the family with all of the father's honor, dignity, and authority. Verse 23 and 24, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. And over here, the father goes way over the top and he totally blows the whole entertainment budget for the year and says, kill the fattened calf. We're going to throw a huge party for the whole village. You see, God simply cannot contain and restrain his joy when people return to him. You might think, but that's not fair. He doesn't deserve it. And you're absolutely right. Because it's grace, undeserved favor, it's love. He didn't do anything to deserve it. He just walked back empty-handed. He didn't ask for anything. And God just lavishes his love and his grace and his goodness and his kindness and his forgiveness upon his son. And this is what God's like. He's like this crazy, loving father. And all too often we like that Shameful, rebellious son. We think we know what is best. We like to do things our own way. We act as if God is dead. We don't desire to have any relationship with him. And we waste our life and ruin our life. But God is waiting. Waiting for you, longing for you to come to your senses. And when you do, he comes running to you. He has compassion for you. He, he embarrasses himself with his expression of love for you because he loves you. And he throws his arms around you and he embraces you and he kisses you. We haven't done anything to deserve this. We don't deserve this. But he pours his dignity and his honor and his authority upon you and restores you into the family. Because he simply cannot contain his joy. He throws this massive party for you and celebrates. Because he simply cannot contain his joy when people return to him. And if this is not your picture of God, then you don't know God. Floyd McClung tells a story uh, of a guy called Sawat. Who, was, who grew up in the rural parts of Thailand, near the Malaysian border. When he got a bit older and became a young adult, he went to the big city of Bangkok to escape the boredom of rural life. 
While he was there, he went up into a hotel and, the, and he suddenly came into the top floor. And when he did, he was absolutely shocked because this was the first time he experienced the, the, the world, the Thailand's world of prostitution and drugs. It wasn't long that he was like a little uh, stick caught up in a raging river. And he ended up selling drugs to people. He eventually became a central figure in the drug trade in Thailand. And as he was nearing the top of this business world, he suddenly hit a string of bad luck. He was arrested. He was arrested by the police. And then the word went out on the street in the underworld that he was now a police spy. And he lost everything, absolutely everything. And eventually he finds himself living in a shanty town on the rubbish dump of Bangkok. And while he was sitting in his little shed, his little shack, he started thinking about his father. His father was a simple Christian man. And when he had left, he said to Sawat, I'll be waiting for you. And as he was sitting there in his shack, he was wondering if his father would still be waiting for him. If his father would still receive him after all he had done. For the word had got back home about his life of crime. So he devised a plan. He decided to write a letter to his father. Dear father, he wrote, I want to come back home. But I don't know if you will receive me after all I have done. I have sinned greatly. Please forgive me. If you're still waiting and you will receive me, tie a white strip of cloth on the poetry outside our house. He then caught the train to go back to his village. And while he was on the train, he was thinking about his father and wondering if his father would still receive him after all he had done. And he was feeling so much pressure, he he became so nervous that uh, he asked a fellow passenger to watch out for him, to to see if if his father would tie a a white cloth on the poetry. Because he felt too too nervous to look himself. As the train pulled into his village, he bowed his head between his knees and he said, Sir, can you see anything on the poetry? It's the only house with a poetry in front of it. Is there a white strip of cloth on the poetry? Young man, your father has not put one piece of white cloth on the poetry. He's covered the whole poetry with white cloths. He looked up and he couldn't believe his eyes. There was this poetry covered in white strips of cloth. And and, and in front of it was his father jumping up and down and waving a white cloth, dancing with joy. And then he started running out next to the train, as the train came into the station. And as the train came to a stop... He threw his arms around his son and embraced him. And with tears in his eyes, he said, I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you. 
And God is waiting for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we are just so overawed by your love. Your, your crazy, reckless love. Father, we, we pray that you would minister to us. We thank you that you, you wait for us. Despite all we've done, that you never give up on us. That you're always there. Got a couple of questions we just want to reflect on as we, we, we stay in, in, in prayer. Are you sometimes like that shameful, rebellious son? Do you sometimes think you know best? And do you like to do things your own way? Do you sometimes act as if God is dead, non existent? Do you sometimes feel like you're you're wasting your life. But more so, do you know that God is waiting for you? Longing for you? Have you personally experienced God's grace, God's undeserved favor, love in your life? Have you experienced the joy of the Lord, the joy of being forgiven? Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you that you wait for us. You never give up on us. And then when we come to our senses and turn to us, you just, you just pour your love and goodness and grace and kindness into our life. And Father, we like that son, we just declare we are not worthy of that. But we want to thank you for that. And we want to receive that afresh. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website, abgavenibaptist.co.uk.